Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. This week's podcast is all about horses misbehaving in the sense that they do something that we see as construed as being a little bit naughty or difficult it's going to include horses that nip us in different situations and mark's going to talk us through the reasons behind what might be happening and how we can go about dealing managing with it so the first question mark is from leanne and we'll start off with a horse that's on the ground she's working with it on the ground we'll build up to some other issues that are happening under saddle So with this one, she has an Arab gelding you've met at the last clinic when she was in South Australia. She's been having an issue with him whilst doing her groundwork. So she's backing him and asking him to come forward. And he is nipping quite badly when she's asking him. She ignores it and keeps going. And she's wondering, is this an anxiety issue or is it clarity, lack of clarity that she's causing? That, that that sort of nipping, especially when you're sort of close to the head, you know, using the halter, uh, you, you're going to have um, quite a bit of nipping with some horses and it is both. It's a bit of anxiety but lack of clarity. Um, so because of lack of clarity, the horse is, you know, hanging on the pressure for quite a while and it becomes more of a fight than the horse finding the answer and following the feel and softening. So, and it and it's a it's a very common thing. So a lot of people, uh, and I'm sure a lot of the people out there that have done some of my stuff where they get close on that lead rope and start to walk the horses backwards and forwards, they're going to really feel those horses kind of lean and and then start to nip and you know because there's a lot of sensory you know nerves in their face and it's quite sensory for them. So uh, I think what you've got to do, like a, something that I commonly do, is I'll just hold a flag when I do it and I'll just pop the flag on my leg as they start to kind of nip and it gives them just enough of a little shock in the system to go, oh, there's something else there and they stop thinking about the nipping. And if you kind of firm up at the same time, not not just kind of sort of push them like, you know, attack them with the rope, but as if you push as they kind of lean and then they kind of release in their feet and then they can sort of think backwards and go backwards or forwards, then they'll stop nipping. So whatever they're sort of still carrying brace and there's fight, the pressure's there for quite a bit and it's not changing them. So you, you, you've got to sort of stick in there. And sometimes as they nip, you distract them with the pop of the flag, push a little bit, it'll get to the feet and then they'll start to sort of soften. You'll feel the brace go. And then you'll have some moments of steps where the horse softly moves backwards and, the, and and you just kind of follow them with that feel uh, or you're kind of gently pushing them with the feel but it's almost like it's enough feel that you're like it's like you're following them with it um, so you set the boundary you pop the flag they'll get a little distraction they'll push a little bit they'll feel the boundary the pressure then they'll kind of release and start to back with the pressure or come forward with the pressure but don't keep going 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 so what I do is I sort of you know in what I've just said, I get in and I get out. So once they've taken a couple of soft steps, I'll just get out and let them think for a second so they can realise that path of least resistance that they found made them feel a little bit better. And and then you ask again. And instead of thinking, oh, I'm stuck and I can't do it and I'm going to just, you know, concentrate on the pressure on my nose, that's what the horse is thinking, and fight it, they'll start to get the answer sooner 
and it'll get it'll it'll turn into a pathway for them and they'll recognize that you know walking backwards or forwards to that feel is the path of least resistance and it's not a fight it's just a pathway so you've just got to get in when they start to nip a little bit uh you can as i say distract them with the flag but once they soften and loosen and go with the feel stop let them think a little bit and then do it in increments or do it in transitions where you stop a bit, do a bit, stop a bit, do a bit. Don't just keep going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards until they start to get in a fight again because they're like there's there's no sort of space where they could realise what they've done right. So it's one of those exercises where a change has to happen quite quickly, I'm guessing. There's no sort of yes. mucking around yeah, with yeah. this one. Yeah, once once they get they'll get a lot softer. And you mentioned the flag, mm. using the flag there as a bit of a uh, distraction for a refocus. Uh, I've got a question here from Carolyn, which questions that a little bit. She's got a young mare who's got a terrible habit of trying to rub her head against her after they've gone for a ride. Um, and if they don't sort of, if she doesn't get away with it, then she'll try and rub her head on something else. She's tried using the flag um, as a distraction, I guess, but it doesn't seem to work. Um, it's a random issue, but very frustrating. Have you got any suggestions for her on that? Sometimes it's when their mind's still a bit busy and they're still a bit anxious. When they get a bit sweaty, they've got the bridle on and there's this habit of they've got to rub, 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 you know, so like it's like itchy skin or, you know, some horses when they're more anxious, uh, the flies bother them more. But when they get in a nice centred, present state of mind, they can have lots of flies on them and they're not sort of stomping and, and getting really anxious about it. So... And sometimes horses uh, have a certain habit when they've been ridden and they've got the bridle on and they sort of think, oh, rub. And especially when they think that bridle's coming off, it's a sensory thing, just like the pressure on the nose with the forwards and backwards question. It's one of those things that it's a sensitive area. They know there's going to be contact there and the person's going to take the bridle off or do something. And they start to rub like they're rubbing the bridle off almost. So basically after every lesson, like you've got to have to preempt that all the time so as you go to touch a horse, if you feel that horse rub into you, um, you don't allow it. So I might, you know, if, if the flag doesn't work, I might just clap really hard or wave my hands big just to say, hey, you know, don't, don't rub me. Um, you don't want to come at your horse and hit it for it because coming at it and bumping it or something like that, for some horses, a bump is more like, oh, oh, well, I'll, you push me, I push you sort of thing. And, and they can sort of... It, it starts a bit of a, um, a like a little conflict with the horse. So you've got to do something. Yeah, you've got to do something big enough to get them to let go of the thought and just, just to say, hey, that's my boundary. Um, and, and, and if the flag doesn't work, whatever, whatever works, you know, you just got to do something, even if you clap really hard near their eye for a second, because if it's that sort of horse that it's fairly casual and not that frightened, it's only going to get a shock. It's not like you're going to chase it around and, and make it, you know, really frightened of you. It's just to say, uh, let that go now, and then you just stand quietly after it. The key is uh, standing quietly and not doing anything for a bit. So you don't just keep unbridling it. You just stand quietly. And when you go to touch to unbridle it, you have to be very respectful of their space and just go in very softly and start the unbridling softly. It's when we go in hard and we just grab the bridle that, that you know, we're, we're going in to the horse with the same pushing and that the horse is kind of pushing on us with. So it's when you go in and grab the horse and take a bridle off that the horse goes, well, humans do that to me, I'll do that to them. It's because, you know, monkey see, monkey do sort of thing. So if the horse has gone for that big rub, get the change of thought, wait a little bit, let them sort of, you know, 
like I, we're constantly trying to, to show horses a, a kind of a, a present-centered work frame of mind where they can just stand quietly and not have to um, be in the future. So as soon as you see that centered space, you wait a little bit and 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 show the horse that this is this this is the space I want you in a quiet centered, uh, not not destinating mindset. Not I'm just about to do this mindset, and then when you have that mindset, go in cautiously, take the bridle off, and when you go to put the halter on each day, when you do a lot of things, be very conscious of of that mindset, and you'll see there's other little times that the horse is learning these rubbing habits, and sometimes. They learn these habits also when we go up and we give our horse a scratch on the jaw or something and we go in and give it a big heavy pat and the horse rubs into the scratch and the pat. Um, that's sort of sometimes teaching the horses that when your hand comes to them, rub into the hand and get a big pat and a scratch. And and that can also feed that habit of, oh, I've got to rub into that to get that off. Or so we've got to be cautious when we do, you know, our affectionate things with our horses that we don't just come in and it's kind of like this big crash pat sort of thing where, where, where it just comes together. We have to be very respectful when we're going for a pat and if we want to increase to mutual grooming and stuff, sometimes there's got to be almost a, a way of slowly going to mutual, mutual grooming, not just going in heavy and starting to scratch. Um, because as I said before, monkey see, monkey do. Whatever, how, whatever, however we come at our horses, that they, they can learn to come at us exactly the same. Because, you know, we 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 learn off. You know, the horses are learning off our body language. Um, you know, just as much as they learn off other horses' body language. I love that thought that you were describing how you had to create that that place of calmness to sort of just focus on the, getting the horse to get really calm before you even take that bridle off so they know what their behavior is yeah. and you're you have to show that behavior they so that they can reflect it but what would you do if your horse just sort of turned around and went to rub on a post would you stop it straight away as well and go nope yeah i would stop it i that. would stop it um yeah there's certain where uh, that you know in this you know when I first started doing clinics, it was all about, you know, a lot of horsemanship was chasing horses around and shut them down. And now there's a lot of, you know, allowing our horses to express themselves out there. And, um, and, and, and I think there's a, there's the correct balance in, 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 in what we need in a horse that's going to survive in a human world and also be ridden and all that sort of stuff. And, um, one thing that we never really ever want to let a horse do is rub when it's got a bridle or a halter on. It's not a good. It's not a good thing. Um, you can get it hung up in a fence. You can, you know, they can get like sometimes if people use the FM snaffles with the with the bars, the FM snaffle, the bars aren't hard on the horse. But if you ever were opening and shutting a gate and they rub one of those bars in one of the gates, it gets hung up in the mesh, and then all of a sudden you, you're, you're in a in a real pickle so it's 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 paramount that you don't let horses rub bridles um once they've got headgear on and i try and sort of say once you've got that holder on uh i I'd, I'd like you to have a frame of mind that um you don't just you're not just out in the paddock where you just rub what you want and do what you want it's it's um you can't rub that you know when you've got something on your head because you know that's when they get hung up on things and caught and and so so it's just just essential kind of training that we train our youngsters to understand and all all the way through their training 
Okay, that makes sense to me. All right, so um, next question is from Sarah. She has a young mare, so she's riding her. Um, she is an Andalusian, and she's finding that she's just ever so often when she's asking the mare to follow the rein, she'll get super agitated and start to bite her leg, not yielding. So what she's wondering is, would it be beneficial for her to ride on the straight for a while with perhaps less of a strong direction change and then go back to the exercise that I think you were teaching her up in Gatton, which was the circle of death, um, perhaps down the track. She feels like she's getting hung up with this issue of sort of a, um, a sense of a strong rain pressure, a bit of a fight, as well as a balancing issue. And she's concerned that she's stalling progress by not being able to move past it. Mm, it's um, I, 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 I know where you're coming from on that. And sometimes just letting a horse travel and go forward is going to be a really good thing. And, you know, for many years, I, I, you know, I had a round yard and I let the horses travel and turn and travel and turn. Um, but what, what you're going to have happen with her and i know no i know her sort of strong mindset that she's got and and uh if you start to get her to travel you'll make progress in going forward but she'll start to get learned that she'll get that sort of uninterrupted you know forward thought where she might start to sort of look look too far ahead and start to destinate and then at some stage you're going to have to interrupt that thought with a turn and i think I might have used the term she can get a bit spaghetti, not cooked, uh, sorry, not raw spaghetti, cooked spaghetti. Obviously, raw spaghetti breaks and it's brittle, um, but it's cooked spaghetti that can kind of bend in all these different, you know, shapes where the horse can bend and, 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 and they're really out of balance and they don't follow through. So, yes, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you one of those you know, yes, no, yeah, no nah answers. Yes, it might be good to get her to travel forward and in a space and, and, and if you've got a space where the fence can catch her a little bit and and, and let her get some forward and, 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 and travel, that's okay, that's fine. But at some stage, you're going to have to be able to get her to commit and follow that rein through. So all the horses that I've met over all the years of training, especially more the retraining in the clinics, um, that have been allowed to go forward, I've had to go through the process at some stage of standing still and pulling until that horse searches and find it just finds its balance in the rain. So it's one of those things. I, 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 I get the feeling that if you maybe go forward too much, you're going to have to interrupt her thoughts later on when she thinks, oh, this is good and free, I can go forward, and now I have to follow this rain around. No, let me stretch out and go forward. So, so you, you could create a horse that maybe is still going to be in the same frame of mind when you do get to turning. So maybe what you can sort of think about doing is, is allowing her to go forward, letting fences catch her and then sort of turning her out of the fence uh, and putting a fair rein position on her so she can sort of learn that she's got to kind of follow that rein through. But once she's learned to go forward a little bit, the fence catches her and then she knows that she comes through that turn, then she can go forward somewhere else. But maybe I, I you know, you want to know that, that, that once they're going forward, you can really pull that rein and hold it until they follow through. And the, the thing about her that is really, really important is that 
she learns to lead through with that rein. So um, if you're having trouble under saddle and she's really fighting it, get get yourself on the ground, get a bend in where you're down a side, you may be standing at a hip and just hold that halter and just like imagine the, the, the lead ropes coming back past her, past the saddle and you're standing at the hip and you just walk backwards from the hip and she's got to like do a U-turn to follow you. And I would do a lot of those lessons where you stand down beside her walk away she's going to be a bit out of balance she's going to run late but you can just sort of you know dig in and pull that rope through until she recognizes she's got to come through with that rope and not run late for the train because i think she's got to recognize that rain's going somewhere and if you do a lot of lessons like that on the ground you know back up you know get a nice deep back up I'm going to stand at the hip and I'm going to walk backwards and you're going to come through with that rein so all the thoughts come around and all four feet turn and come in a new direction and she learns that she follows that rein through and do a lot of lessons like that on the ground and I think you, she'll start to understand that rein. But it, I, I, I'm all for it, someone experimenting, getting a little bit more forward and then once the man's travelling, then find some turn spots because at least if she knows how to travel better, when you take her through with the rain, she'll come through and go, oh, I can go forward now. And, and um, But I, I, I think um, you still need to work on that, you know, come through from a standstill. Um, and so so when you do get, if you do going to choose to go forward for a little bit and not focus on just leading her around with the rain under saddle, don't get too much forward and long thoughts or those, you know, binocular thoughts, you know, because... Um, then it'll be harder for her to want to come through because they'll like those long straight lines when they can look and go towards their thoughts and they won't want to, you know, come through the tight turn. So, and that's why for everybody, I encourage people to do a leading lesson from a standstill before you let your horses really travel out because the people that don't have small yards and they've got bigger arenas and bigger, bigger paddocks that they ride the young ones in, you don't want them kind of looking at the end of the paddock and going, I'm going to go over there. Then you go, oh, crikey, I've got to pull a rein and the horse doesn't want to come with it. So, yeah, try a little so bit that's more like forward. A death. Yeah, not the circle of death. Uh, um, I'm kind of thinking that the circle of death is uh, – so people probably don't understand the circle of death, So, but I'll explain. I should have called it the circle of life. It's just that I, I use a little analogy where I – kind of get the people to imagine they're in an imaginary circle and it's a prison and the horse is microchipped and if their nose touches the prison, uh, the, the invisible prison boundary, which is a round boundary, like a round circle, then they both explode. So um, so it's about protecting that horse's nose from the boundary. Um, and the circle of death is pretty good for horses that already have a little bit of movement established for a young horse, you're better off just getting the horse to lead through with the rein and walk off in a straight line, lead through with the rein, walk off in a straight line. But for older horses that are, or young horses have got forward movement, but they're quite bracy and they're really stiff. The circle of death is really good for those ones. But for the spaghetti horses that get real bendy, the circle of death is, is, is a no-go for them because it's designed to get a horse to, to, to sort of look into their turn and not brace. Um, so for the horses that really, really bend and leak out through the shoulder and get out of balance like that, they're better off just holding until they follow the rein through and finding a straight line. Okay. Now, because she's only doing this occasionally um, and it is quite a tight turn that she's asking for, 
it's going to lead into the next question because it'd be a question that I would ask anyway. And this question comes from Carla. How do you determine if a horse is misbehaving due to pain rather than being afraid or perhaps it's just not educated about something? How, how do you know when to give yeah. them a break or just keep adding pressure? Sometimes you don't know. Um, unless, unless you've, you know, you've got the, the, uh, all this, all the, um, understandings of the body work and this, and, and, and then, and then, um, and the skeletal system of a horse and all sorts of thing, there can be underlying pains that horses are protecting. Um, and that's the thing is like that, like I'll give you a little story, which was a horse the other day at a clinic and it was really hollow, really braced and, carrying itself you know quite a quite short and bracing the trot so when it go to trot it'd have its head up and it would just kind of like trot really stiff and and I was looking at it going well there's a lot of shortness in the hindquarter and it's kind of stiff but I see that a lot in horses that just carried themselves really bad for a long time and just hollow short bracy and worried and the hook but the horse also showed lots of signs that it braced on the reins a lot it was kind of like uh, you know, it didn't respond very well to the legs. It was kind of like tense to the legs. And so all that could mean it's protecting something. And it turned out the horse was protecting a, 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 a like a soreness in, in its hindquarter. But I kept persisting because I could see some softness in the walk where the horse was actually processing the legs better. And when we showed the horse it didn't have to trot, it started to move forward to the legs and soften and relax. And then it got so close to trotting that it was going to trot. And there was the point that it actually was thinking about offering a soft trot because it was getting so used to the legs being okay and, and the transition in legs to go up and come back in the reins and go up that it started to relax and it started to feel good. So it let go of a big mental brace. And then as it let go of the big mental brace, it went into trot. So, and this is what we saw. We saw originally the stiff braced horse that was all hollow doing this funny hollow trot where it was just shuffling along to a trot horse that relaxed into trot and then was lame. So it gave a relaxed trot, but as it stretched into the trot and relaxed, instead of having this short, even stride in the back end and everything being all tight, it kind of relaxed, but then it did the proper bob. You know, the hind leg was going like one, two, one, two, you know, when they were sort of, when they get like definitely uh, uneven in their trot, in their, in their gait. So it became really uneven when it trotted where, 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 when it was protecting itself, you couldn't notice how bad the hindquarter was and, and what side it was really sore on because it just would hollow out and do this short thing. So if a body worker went over the horse, it would find somewhere in that horse where it would find a problem. But the horse carried so much emotional tension from bad riding for years that it was protecting himself from pressure just as much as probably protecting itself from pain. So this is the big, you know, debate is sometimes you've got to get a let horse to let go of, and, and you can see it in horses. So, so how do you determine the difference between pain and, 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 um uh and and like the horse just doesn't understand or it's frightened of the pressure is you go over all the little things that the horse needs to know to do what it needs to do it could be just pick up a rein 
and you just touch the rein and the horse starts to chew, um, then if the horse starts to chew and brace in its jaw and you, it, and you think, oh, it's got a pole problem or a jaw problem, well, go and get a bit of hay and see if the horse will follow a bit of hay around. So sometimes if you, so if you just touch the aids that you're going to use on a horse and it gets really braced and tense, um, then, you know, but then you watch the horse in the paddock moving around. So, 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 and it moves okay. Or you put a bit of hay there and the horse bends and looks into that and goes, I can do that. And it was, then it was just the pressure of the rain. And then if it was the teeth that were causing the pressure of the rain to not make it bend, well, you kind of get the teeth checked or you rub it and you push little spots on its side. And if it gets real flinchy to that, then maybe there's sharp teeth in there or feel the teeth. But usually, you know, watching a horse just travel and sort of do things, you know, and then you put hay there and it bends okay, but then you pick up a rein and it braces, well, you kind of know that it's probably the pressure and the not understanding the pressure is making it brace, not it can't, can't physically bend. So there are ways, especially in the bend, that you can get horses to look and bend and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to movement and carrying a rider, sometimes carrying a rider in a bad way, then there's, there might be nerves that tweak and, and, and things like that. But if the horse can walk, trot and canter in the paddock or with nobody on it, then it can carry itself okay without real definite signs of soreness and it's carrying a rider, then all you do is, you know, okay, start really slow and ask little things. And if you just squeeze that horse's ribs and it gets all funny, well, it's probably more so the legs and not understanding the legs versus I don't want to go faster because I'm sore. Um, so it's it's not always clean cut, but usually I just, to tell the difference, I just do littler aids and, and really get close to what I see that horse thinking when I pick up on that aid. And then I figure out, okay, if I put a belly rope on this horse and just gently squeeze it, is it really worried and when I squeeze my legs is it really really worried or is it really worried and if I distract it it doesn't worry so much or you know so the other day I had a horse that kind of looked like it could have stomach ulcers and was really angry and and um and I was doing the girth up on it or playing with the belly rope and then on another horse walked by and 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 halfway through looking like it was going to kill me it looked at the other horse and went oh what are you doing oh hello <laughs> and then when the other horse went off, the horse went, oh, hang on, what was I doing again? That's right, he's back there. Rah, 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 rah. So, and the, the 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 look that the horse gave the other horse wasn't like, you know, if it was really painful, it wouldn't have just got distracted off me so easily. It it, it would have, um, you know, taken a lot more to distract that horse. And the way it looked at the other horse was quite a soft, interested look. So I thought, hang on, that's, you know, it's definitely not, a pain thing it's just a the horse is focused on this and it's you know not happy about me fiddling with his belly so i've probably muddled you up more than anything but basically yeah i test pain through slowing everything down if it, if i'm trying to test it and and work out every little touch i make on a horse and and find out if it's the horse's lack of learning versus pain process of elimination yeah, but it's tricky, though, isn't it? It's it's not going to be an easy one, and of course, the the um the default is always to go back to the experts that may just pick up on something that you haven't seen, just in case, because pain is something that you've got to rule yeah. out, isn't it? It's, um, even the hidden pain, yeah. we don't know what's going on. 
Um, so is, is there any way, just have to answer this really, really quick, really quickly, but is there any way, sort of any situation where a horse is allowed to sort of um, say no, you know, play up a bit and go, no, had enough? Is there any situations where you can, that's acceptable when you're training them? Horses are allowed to uh, uh, to communicate and say I'm not sure and things like that, but but um, no. Sometimes people are setting up their horses that they're always going to say no because the horse is not. Uh, they're asking questions that are sort of the horse is not capable of doing. So it's a very hard question because everyone's going to go and say you know. So basically by the process of elimination, I know what the horse is capable of and I know um, its confidence and I know if so. So basically if a horse, if you're squeezing a horse forward and it says, no, I'm scared of what's ahead of me, then they're the times I'd say, yes, you're allowed to let the horse say no for a second and figure out a way to get it confident because if you squeeze it over that scary place and that kangaroo jumps out, then next time it's never going to trust those legs again because you've just pushed it into uh, an area where it sensed something dangerous and something dangerous happens, so then it it loses trust. So when a horse uh, is like it's got the good level of curiosity and it's kind of moving off your aids okay and it says, whoa, geez, I'm really scared, and you, you squeezed at the time it went, I don't really want to go forward because I'm really squared, that, that's a time that you go, I'm going to allow you to kind of say no to that, but I'm not going to squeeze again because I know I'm going to teach you to learn to say no to legs because I'm asking you to go to something very scary with my legs and you're going to evade my legs because that scary thing is more important to you than going forward or saving yourself from that scary thing and, and being cautious of it is more important to you than a step forward because a step forward is too dangerous, then I'd say, well, okay, I squeezed once and found out my horse is really scared of something, so now I'm going to figure out how I can use the left rein and the right rein to get it to look at that thing and get more uh, softer. And when the horse wants to go forward, then I'll squeeze it again. So, yeah, there are times that I'll allow the horses to say no, and that's um, me sort of saying you're not ready to go into something that dangerous, yes, but but after that I'll, I'll figure out how they can say, yes, I'd like to go that way. So I'll set up a few lessons to yeah. get them to say yes. Um, but if I was, there's That's a lot right. of horses that I ride. And they could be just thinking towards their mates. And so if they kind of go towards their mates and they say, I'm not going to let go of that thought, then, and I pick up a boundary. So something I say to people is when I ask a question to a horse, there's room for the horse to be not sure or say no. But when I set up a boundary, boundaries mean um, that's not available. Okay, so a horse can't say no. I don't accept that boundary. So you don't push. So if you ride in the in the way that you're not pushing a horse with boundaries, and a horse walks into a boundary, then the boundary means no. You can't. You know you can't keep thinking through that. So yes, you're not allowing a horse to push through a boundary. Um. But if you're riding your horse and the horse is unsure and says no and you're asking a question of it, then there's room for it to say no and you to figure out, well, why did it say no? Oh, it probably doesn't understand. Maybe I'll go back a little bit and say, well, this horse is still struggling on that on that particular rein, so uh, I'll mm. work on that before I go out and need to use it 
a bit further down the track because a lot of horses say no purely because we've we've thrown them out into an environment they're not quite used to and they've and, and we've got all these tools that are half baked and then the horse is just lost and then it says no all the time yes so yeah it's so, so what I'm getting from you, and, and it isn't, it's a very hard question to ask, and I'm sorry to dump it on you at the end, but um, it's really sort of down to that, to the trainer, isn't it, to actually set them up to not get in a position where you where they're saying no because you're recognising that you've got, that you know, that's just not yeah. possible at that time. And it's our responsibility to remember what the horse knows and doesn't know. So all I do is I put the horse in the calm environment and I say, what do you know already? What don't you know? And I can go through and test all those things. You know, I squeeze the legs a little bit, nothing happens. I, I pull the rein, the horse thinks the wrong way. Well, I know exactly that the horse doesn't know a lot. So I'll just gently teach that those things. And if the horse, if I pull a left rein, the horse goes, no, I'll just hold the left. I'll, I'll let it feel like it said no, but then I'll firm up as it pushed, and so it creates a boundary. And the ho- then the horse goes, "Oh, that's not available," and then it starts to think with the left rein. So yeah, as I said, the boundaries are not available to push through, but it's our responsibility to know what the horse is capable of. So if I was riding a horse and I went to pick up on the reins and it didn't back up and it just said no because I'm staring over there at some horses running around, but I know the last four days that horse softened and brought its thoughts backwards. Well, I'm not going to say you're allowed to look at those horses because I've already picked up on the rein and it's my responsibility to teach the horse that picking up on a rein doesn't mean hang on to that thought. It means let go of that thought. So I will say you already know how to back up. Um, You're just looking at the horses because they've taken your primary focus at the moment, but they're too far away to worry about. So I'm going to hold the rein until you let go of that thought and step back. Once you've stepped back, and you've listened to the rain, I'll let the rain go and you can look at the horses again. I don't mind you looking at horses. It's just that I picked up the rain and you decided to look through the rain. Uh, that's what I can't allow. So I'm not going to allow you not to look. You can look, but I'll give you the space to look. So as a good trainer, we know the horse might need to look at something. So we take the pressure off, let it look. But if the horse started looking and pushing as we were asking a question, and we already knows, know the horse knows the answer, then it's our responsibility to hang on until the horse lets go of that. Otherwise, we're teaching the horse to say no to especially the reins. And then one day when they've got a big no, they'll say, well, actually, there's a hole in the reins and I'll, and I'll find it. So many great examples in that answer. Thanks, Mark. Um, it all comes down to that training. And thank goodness, I mean, training horses is incredibly hard. And thank goodness we can all learn from someone like you where you can break it down and help make it a lot simpler. So thanks to all the questions from our members that have come through for this week's podcast. And we will look forward to talking to you again next week, Mark, for another great podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. Just imagine how much you could learn from Mark and his unique perception. He's been developing training that turns many of the standard horsemanship approaches on their heads for decades and to great benefit for all. Online training videos available now, marklangley.com.au.